Coming up on today's show, fame stars Hollywood. We all know there are more important things, right? Why do we make such a big deal about reality shows and movie stars? We're talking about it with a former contestant from NBC's The Sing-Off, coming up next on The Matt Townsend Show. Good afternoon. I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. It was a rough weekend for Secretary of Commerce John Bryson, who was in multiple car accidents and may have suffered a seizure. President Obama is voicing his concern. Police say Bryson rear-ended a car waiting at a train crossing, then a short time later was involved in another crash, after which officers found him unconscious behind the wheel. His office says the Commerce chief suffered a seizure and was treated before being released from a hospital. Press Secretary Jake Carney says it was more than a day before the president found out. He learned about this incident this morning. He uh, is concerned about Secretary Bryson's health and, 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 and broadly about the incident. Police have cited Bryson for a hit-and-run accident, though no formal charges have been filed. Mark Smith at the White House. The attorney general may be held in contempt of Congress over his failure to present documents related to the Fast and Furious gun tracking program. Unhappy with the attorney general's failure to turn over documents it subpoenaed in connection with the gun smuggling operation known as Fast and Furious, the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee will vote next week on whether Eric Holder should be held in contempt of Congress. Committee Chairman Darrell Issa says it is unacceptable that the Justice Department refuses to turn over the documents, noting the administration has not claimed executive privilege. Holder last week told ISA the Justice Department believes it has responded to the committee's subpoena. Jerry Bodlander, Capitol Hill. The Prime Minister of Britain is facing criticism today after accidentally leaving his daughter behind at a pub over the weekend. British Prime Minister David Cameron's office has confirmed the Prime Minister accidentally left his eight-year-old daughter in a pub after a family lunch near his country home west of London. Cameron was travelling home after the lunch in one car with his bodyguards and assumed that Nancy was in the other car with his wife Samantha. Samantha, in turn, assumed the child was with her father and only realised she was missing when they got home. Luckily, pub staff looked after Nancy until Cameron drove back to get her. Marta Migdałek, London. Wildfires in Colorado have forced some homes to be evacuated while crews try to douse the massive blaze. The fire skipped over some areas but burned intensely in others. It's not just moving a single direction. If you've been in fires before, these winds just start moving and it whips. It's building its own weather in there. That's Larimer County Sheriff Justin Smith. Smoke spread as far away as Texas. Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper says crews are getting a lot of help. There's roughly roughly one-third of the heavy fire retardant equipment in the country is here uh, to fight this fire. Um, we're going to throw everything out we can. Sheriff Smith says crews are doing everything they can, but Mother Nature is running this fire. I'm Ed Donahue. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I am your host, Matt Townsend, your relationship coach, your guide on the side for the next hour. We do what we can every uh, day on the show to help you and your loved ones grow healthy lives, healthy relationships, 
Literally, we're just trying to give you the tools, a little leg up on how you make it through this crazy ball of mud we call Earth. And uh, we really want to give you some help, some tools. So hopefully by the time we're done today, you're a little more motivated and a lot more educated. That is always the goal of the show. Welcome. Welcome to the show with us today. I think we got a doozy for you. We're going to be talking about fame. Okay, apparently... Uh, it's a big deal to a lot of people. Now, fame, you know, it's very subjective. Who's got it? Who doesn't? But it's interesting because I personally don't have any. Um, Yet my family, my kids, just because I have some radio shows and do some TV here in Utah, um, people, some people seem to recognize me at times. So one time my little son, cute as can be, uh, I, I, we were at we were at an ice cream store, basically a, a yogurt shop, and getting some yogurt. And this woman recognized me and just made a big fuss. Okay, and my son said, "Oh, Dad, are you famous?" And I'm like, "Oh yeah, totally." And he literally said to me, "So, are you going to be on like Survivor or a show like that?" And I'm like, "Oh no, no, I'm just on just my little local thing here." Oh, oh, okay. When are you going to be on, like, Survivor? Or my daughter would love The Bachelor, my wife. And I realized right then, you know what? Fame is so fleeting because it doesn't matter how big you are. Until you're the biggest, you're nothing, man. You're a loser now. Never mind the fact that I feed my children, I bathe them, I pay for everything. That's not enough fame for my family. If I can't compete with Pookie, is that her name? Cookie, Cookie. Schnooky, schnooky. I don't remember what her name is on the on the Jersey Shore. If I can't compete with that, I'm not famous. And um, quite honestly, after having just seen one of those scenes, I don't want to compete with that. I don't want to get near it. It's gonna. It's not healthy. So today we're talking about fame. Is it what it's purported to be? And we're going to be bringing on somebody that I seriously respect, McKay Crockett. You may have seen him. He was in a show, a very uh, interesting. I don't know. What's the word for it? Kind of a, you know, he had a great shot in a in an NBC show called Sing Off. Is that what it was called? Sing Off. Sounds right. Um, he was with a group vocal point. He's one of the lead singers. Great guy. McKay Crockett. And he um, they went about to the final five of these groups. So it's, you know, it's a little bit of a he's a he's an he's a professional famous person now, or he's at least tasted the fame. And we're going to get into his head and find out what did he learn about life, his family? What did he learn about fame? Is it real? Is it worth it? What you know, what is it that we all have kind of uh, have put out there as, as if it's important when in reality, maybe it's not. We're going to talk about 15 minutes of fame, maybe even 15 seconds of fame nowadays with the uh, advent of uh of the internet. But it's a big deal. I think sometimes our kids don't quite know what's important and, and you know who's you know who did. Think of when you were growing up and think of it right now. If I could put you in a room with anybody that you would most want to meet, so the most famous person on earth that you would want to meet, who would it be? Who would you choose? What uh what would you like the situation to be? Would it be dinner? Would it be dinner with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Is that what you're looking for? Or would it be um, a supermodel? Huh? Maybe a supermodel. Giselle. Is that her name? I don't know. I'm not into the pop culture enough to even throw names out. Um, Would it be a baseball player? So if I brought my boys in here, guaranteed they'd want to meet LeBron. LeBron James. Okay, He's the man. He's the myth. They want to meet LeBron. 
And then I sit there and I think, my daughter, if I brought my daughter in, by the way, totally would blow your mind because you'd think someone hip and cool. But no, Julie Andrews. So we went to Grauman's Chinese Theater in, um, in Hollywood. And that, my daughter, 18 now almost, uh, made a beeline, actually is 18, almost 19, made a beeline to Julie Andrews, her uh, handprints and footprints at the theater. She wanted to meet Julie Andrews. If she could meet Julie Andrews, she's pretty sure she could die and just rest easy. Who would you want to meet and why? The bigger question, why? What is it about that person that you think is so, so uh, important that is so special. And I think it's going on for all of us, right? The, there's been stars even back in 1968. Remember, it was artist Andy Warhol who coined the phrase 15 minutes of fame. He saw the future or today's world as a place where media would just keep expanding, allowing more people to be stars, but also, interestingly, watering down the stardom experience. In today's recession, an unemployed or underemployed worker might find cheap entertainment on the weekends watching some campy cable show about a wintertime trucker from a swamp who gets a complete kitchen makeover while spending a weekend chasing tornadoes. I think it's safe to say that Pumpin' the Truck Driver is enjoying his... The trouble for Hollywood is their A-list celebrities have to compete for time in our brains. So unlike the days of yesteryear when a Hollywood star really meant a star during the big Great Depression. America's appetite for entertainment was as strong as it is now, but movies or radio, with the same Hollywood stars that show up and make appearances, were really your only choices. So a few names got really, really big. Clark Gable, Katherine Hepburn, Jimmy Stewart, Barbara Stanwyck, Spencer Tracy. Stars who shine bright today, even though their careers and lives are long gone. Stars who quite literally enjoy fame five million times longer than somebody trying to make it in today's post-Warhol 15 minutes of fame world. As good as these Depression actors were, though, I bet with a bit of searching, we could find hundreds of living actors who could play George Bailey as well as Jimmy Stewart did in It's a Wonderful Life. With a few callbacks, we could find a room full of equally confused-looking Captain Culpeppers as well as Spencer Tracy played the role in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. And I think that was Warhol's point. The era of big stars is over. Modern media is unveiling a sky full of brighter and brighter stars, more and more of them than we could possibly see, allowing so many more people the chance to display their talents. But supply and demand is a cruel mistress, and as this democratization of media is happening, well, the more people that become famous, the less famous famous people are becoming. Interesting idea. So think of that. More and more people becoming famous, right? Anybody can be famous now. With the Internet, we have all of these opportunities. There's just, Charlie, you bit my finger. Do you remember that silly little uh, silly little video on YouTube? And now all of a sudden this kid is, is just a superstar, famous. In fact, um, when we uh, – on the show The Bachelor, they don't even need to like go looking for a new person. They just get someone off the last show and recirculate them into the next show. So interesting, right? Fame. It's important, but we're going to address it. We're going to look at it. We're going to be bringing on McKay Crockett, uh, a performer, a songwriter, a producer from BYU's group called Vocal Point. And uh, he actually – he made it pretty far on – 
on NBC's show, The Sing-Off, and we're going to be picking his brain and seeing what it is like to really make it big in Hollywood, have all the glamour, all the glitz, and see how it's affected his life, and maybe more importantly, see what really matters most. That's what we're going to be talking about, and again, stay with us, because uh, if you have somebody in your life that maybe is chasing the fame bug, let's see if we can't help to, to, I don't know, squash it a bit. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Want to do a better job of conserving energy? Maybe it's time to glow with the flow. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. What if you could actually see how much electric energy flows to your household appliances? Would it change your habits? Researchers at the Interactive Institute in Sweden redesigned a power strip cord to pulse with light. As electric current flows through the power aware cord, you can see the glowing pulses and patterns of blue light spiral through its transparent covering. The intensity of the glow changes with the amount of electricity flowing through the cord. It's made with electroluminescent wires, which are phosphor-coated wires twisted around the powered ones. The device illustrates some interesting insights, like seeing how more power is used when you turn up the volume on your stereo to push those bass and drum riffs through your speakers. The look is ultra-futuristic, cool with a dash of techno geek. But it's not about just looking cool. The hope is that this instant visual reminder of how much power is being consumed will cause people to be more aware of their electricity usage and reduce bad habits. For Innovation Now, this is Crystal Browning. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Parenting can be a tricky business, and we all know families don't come with a handbook. That's why we can learn from world-traveling family coaches, the Ayers. Join the Ayers on the Road for family, parenting, and general life advice Monday through Thursday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern, on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. That is Vocal Point, the hip acapella group that made it about to the fifth round of, or I guess it was to the fifth round of NBC's The Sing Off. And uh, we're going to be introducing our guest, McKay Crockett, uh, who's a member of this ensemble. But in order to do that, we wanted, we asked one of our producers, Tom Brinton, to give us some background on the roller coaster ride of McKay Crockett and Vocal Point. It was September 2011, during the 20th anniversary of BYU's Vocal Point, when by invitation they premiered on NBC's strictly a cappella contest, The Sing-Off. Here's Vocal Point! It was an exciting opportunity for a group that had enjoyed great success among BYU students and alumni, 
but hadn't yet reached larger audiences. McKay Crockett, often a featured soloist in the group, was excited about the opportunities this kind of exposure would create. Our goal when we began our sing-off journey was to go and, and represent BYU and represent Vocal Point, but more than that was to show America who Mormons are, who we really are, and how our lifestyle is. And I feel like we, we did that very well. We tried to just be ourselves. We've had lots of questions come to us while we've been on the sing-off about what's BYU, what's LDS, what's Mormon. And it's been fun to kind of clear up some of those issues for people and also to learn about their you know, backgrounds and, and religious beliefs as well. The nation was presented with a unique opportunity to get to know a bunch of Mormon guys in their mid-twenties. It was definitely kind of exhilarating, um, being able to sing right in front of Ben Folds and Sean Stockman and Sarah Bareilles, and also to have 13 different camera angles kind of swirling all around you at the same time. The hardest thing about being on the sing-off has been the pace at which we have to produce music and clean music at the level that it needs to be. We're filming a show every single week, and sometimes that, that means we're learning a song. Sometimes that means we're hearing a song for the first time in our entire lives, and then having to perfect it to the point to where we can perform it on national television in four or five days. When I was 14 and 15, I was in a boy band back in Utah, and it works out really well because this week we're singing Never Say Never by Justin Bieber. Week after week, Vocal Point impressed the panel of judges but when they reached the top five, this phase of their journey had come to an end. However, McKay Crockett maintained his positive outlook even after elimination from the contest. It's been really cool for us to read things online and hear things from people who aren't members of our church that have felt something special with Vocal Point and, and something different that they can't quite understand or, or put their finger on. Um, we know what that is, but it's really cool to know that they're feeling something different when they watch Vocal Point. Give it up for McKay Crockett. Okay, McKay Crockett uh, is with us, joining us in the studio. McKay, good to have you here, my friend. Thanks for having me, Matt. You bet. And uh, you're, okay, so part of Vocal Point, if those that haven't heard it, it's an acapella group, nine guys. Right. And it's kind of a rotating organization, right? So you've brought people in for years. Right. And this group went, um, and you went to NBC, got on the show The Sing Off. Right. It's a cappella, so every there's no instruments being played. Those noises are all being made by your crazy group. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's interesting. Vocal Point's been around for 20 years, back well, 21 years now. And uh, back when it was first started, I don't think that, that the founders had any idea of what it would kind of turn into. Where it would go. Uh, you know, we were approached by NBC back about a year and a half ago when we were competing in it's what's called the International Championship of Collegiate Acapella. They approached us and said, hey, we're going to be doing another season of this acapella TV show. Oh, and cool. We like your guys' style. Why don't you guys come audition and, yeah. and and see what happens? So we went down there and 
And we made it Boom. on, and the rest is history. Well, and it was neat because how many groups were there that you were competing? Started against? with sixteen groups. Did you ever think you'd go that far? I mean, is that even in your mind? Or are you just like, <laughs> let's make it through this week? It was interesting. We, we went down there not having a single idea of what was going to happen. We we had our kind of clean cut style from yeah. Provo, Utah, and we didn't know how that would translate in in the heart of Hollywood right. on NBC. And so we went down there, kind of trying not to expect anything, but just to go out and do our mm-hmm. best and. And it was rewarding to to go do our thing and then and then be complimented so so graciously by the hosts and by yeah. the other performers and the producers of the show. So it, it was it was a, a breath of fresh air to know that we could go do what we do, yeah. um, and have it accepted in in that kind of a because you were kind of against some more hip kind of hip hop totally. young. I mean, you guys are on average what two, three, four years older than the people you were competing against. Yeah, it, it's funny. A lot of those college groups have uh, they're all freshmen, eighteen, yeah. seventeen, nineteen years old, whatever, and. Uh, and a lot of us had has served LDS mission, so we were twenty two, twenty three, yeah. And uh, so we felt like we were the old guys. I know, married too, right? A lot of us married, and uh, and so guys, you know, postponing honeymoons and and wedding dates just so that they could be part of the TV show. Oh, and cool. it, it was it was an interesting experience for us, for sure. Well, and it's also it was just fun to see how the judges handled you guys. <laughs> so if if you haven't seen these guys, just go to I guess YouTube's a great place yeah. to just capture because they have a million videos. Yeah. And just look up vocal point. Um, but they didn't know how to handle like they'd always <laughs> it's it, you just had such a weird spirit. Like I guess it was it was Sarah Bareilles was just like you're you guys are so cute. That's all they could keep saying was how cute you were. Yeah, you know, we uh we felt that there, we got to this point on the show where where they kind of didn't know what to do with us because mm-hmm. we, we kept doing our thing and they really and you liked kept it. rocking it, yeah. And they were all real positive, but it was just kind of the same comments over and over yeah. again. So a few weeks into it, we tried. We started to try and reinvent a little bit of of the music that we were singing and, yeah. and the the way we were doing it, just so that we got a little yes, bit of a feedback from <laughs> from right. the judges. That's but cool. but it was great, you know. They, like I said, they were so complimentary, and and it was great for us to know that that we could go out to L. A. and and perform the way we perform yeah. and uh, and be who we were yeah. and have it be you know a successful thing out there. Now, as a group, how long had you been together performing? So because Vocal Point's part of BYU, it's a class. We yeah. get one whole credit for being in the Did group. Did you get credit for it? Excellent. <laughs> and, it, and it rotates every year. So guys who graduate or move on, they're, they're out of the group. So this group had only performed together for about you know 10 months or so. Wow. And, uh, and so I mean, singing a lot together, you get used to that blend. But, but you know you have some of these groups who'd, who've been together for years and, and others who, who weren't together for that long either. But, uh, but being down in L.A. singing all day every day together, it was a really cool thing to, to find that blend that we, that we found with that group because not many groups get to sing all day every day together. You yeah. have families and you have other responsibilities that you have to take care of. But, but being down there singing so much together, it was, it was really cool. See, to me, that's, it's, even, it's interesting. I didn't know that you had the class on it because yeah. this really was just – what grade did you get in the class? You know, I got an A. Thank you better have gotten an A. <laughs> I don't know if anyone didn't get an A, what but I'm pretty sure we all did. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, can you imagine? In Hollywood. <laughs> and it's kind of interesting. I think that's why you're the perfect guest because you, you probably got, you got sucked into the Hollywood kind of scene. But it really wasn't your objective was not to go be famous. No, no, no. But you got a taste of it. It was it was weird because <laughs> you get down there and you're seeing people like, you know, the judges, Ben Folds and yeah. and Boyce to Men, Sean Stockman and, and there they have their real spiffy trailers and they have their people waiting on them all the time and carts driving them everywhere and and you know, there's part of you that's like, wow, that's that's pretty neat. Yeah, that's great. And and I then you do that, right? Yeah, right. I need a trailer. <laughs> and then you've got the the guys running cameras who uh, 
who get screamed and yelled at the whole time, and yeah. they're never doing it right. And mm-hmm. and you know they were always real nice and supportive to to all of the performers, yeah. especially with us. And but uh, but it was very different to see uh, how fame and fortune had affected some people, and and not only just the way that they were treating people, but also the way that people were getting treated, and just the, the very wide spectrum that yeah. that, that kind of covered. Well, it's interesting because the, and behind the scenes, as kind of always, there's probably ten to one famous person yeah. to just average person. Totally, I mean average in the role, right? And it, but they're the famous is treated ten times better, and the others are just like get it done, right? And and. Uh, one of the most interesting thing, things for me, I think, was to see how even with some of these performers, because, you know, like I said, a lot of us were college kids or just out of college. And and uh, and so we weren't famous. We're not celebrities. Yeah, no. But to see how that that small bit of fame really started to affect some of these guys and really and the way they would start to treat other people. And uh, and, you know, y- you like to think that that would never affect you. I, yeah, I'm, sure. I'm above that. Right. Yeah. And, but really, it when you start to get treated a certain way and and people give you certain things, yeah. you start to think you're. Something well, maybe that you're not. Well, and it's interesting because you were you're you were always out front. You were always kind of one of the more, I think I think you're one of the more noticeable ones. I don't know why that is. <laughs> it's probably the, the black glasses and the pointy black hair. Black glasses and pointy <laughs> hair, blonde, and um, and they gave you a lot of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, they gave you. But it would be interesting. Have you noticed when you came back just to BYU to campus, it had changed you? I mean, not you, but everyone was seeing you differently now. You know, that was one thing that I thought was really cool was the support that we felt from our community. I think going down to L.A. and, and having done something like that without, you know, the the support of, of our hometown wouldn't have been nearly as rewarding as, right. you know, having people say, hey, thanks so much for going to support and, and do all of this. And so we, we tried to, to remember that that's really what it was. It was it was support of, of something good that was happening rather than adoration of a in the, right. of yeah, an individual really, yeah. or, or yeah. something like that. Well, that's kind of I guess you reframe it that it's about community, it's about family. It's kind of about our family. I mean, you had to have had a ton of family support. Tons and, and you know when we went out there our our goal was it wasn't even to win. We went out there to do our very best and, mm-hmm. and wanted to do our thing and and show the world what we what we got, but but our our goal was to go out and be representatives of of good morals and and of of good people because we feel like Sometimes there's this image in in the music industry that you have to you give up everything and you have to you have to be this you know sell your soul kind of a person to be successful and and truthfully that's not the case you can yeah. go out there and 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 believe what you believe and and have high morals and and so we went out there knowing that that's what we wanted to do and and so when you kind of look at it that way we weren't trying to be celebrities right. we were just trying to go promote a a great cause and right. we feel like we were able to to do that somewhat well I guess maybe that's the key then and we'll talk about this a lot after uh, in the next segment is. Um, you didn't lose yourself. Well, in fact, we'll even talk about how you probably found yourself a little totally. bit. You figured out who you were a little bit more. Yet you, um, you probably, you also apparently had a purpose. See, that's one of the interesting things. If it seems like if your purpose is fame, you're going to get messed up. Oh, absolutely. But if your purpose is giving and sharing and being the best you can be, it's different. We have a motto in Vocal Point. It's to enlighten the hearts and minds of those within the sound of our voices. Oh, neat. And uh, and that's been our our motto for many many years. And 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 we knew that just because we were getting a, the shot on a, on a big stage, yeah. that couldn't change. And so we we kept doing that, and and we felt like lots of good happened because of did, that. Did you notice what did it do to your group? Like, how did you guys all change with each other? Totally. It, <laughs> so there's nine guys, and you're spending all day every day together. <laughs> so that's that's interesting. That's a lot and of that's time. Fun. Yeah. But but you know when when it came down to it, some of my very best friends and some of the people that I respect the very most in my life 
were those guys that I spent that that amount of time with those couple months. And it's because I got to see them for who they really were, how they were under stress, yeah. how they were when they got the spotlight, how they were when they were called out and maybe didn't do their yeah. right best or, or whatever. And so I think it, it really helped our bond grow and it helped us kind of see who we wanted to be and who we really were when when the stress and the frustration kind of all boiled into That's this huge. one final moment. Yeah. Love it. Oh, man, McKay, way cool. I think um, I think when we come back, we're going to get into – I really want to talk about lessons learned. Like what, what is Hollywood really now yeah. to you? And, <laughs> and um, like what advice would you give to all these little – these guys out there that want to have a career in music? I know you've got a group called Remix Vocal Academy. Mm-hmm. dot com and we'll talk about that which is this group uh, it's a it's school it's teaching people how to put together I guess a music career with values exactly we're really excited about this camp that we're putting on this summer just teaching people that you can be excellent in music and and do it while promoting goodness and positivity yeah. as well you don't have to sell your soul you really don't to get the label you don't that's awesome okay we'll come back and talk about that also um, be thinking out there folks fame where does it catch you where do you get stuck and again, if you could meet anybody, who would you want to meet and why? Be thinking about that. We're going to talk about that coming up as well. You are listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. If your walls could talk, what would they say? I have sent children into fits of rage. I am responsible for a child's speech impediment. I am the reason a child can't read. Just because you can't see lead paint doesn't mean it's not on walls, doors, windows, and sills. Today, lead paint poisoning affects over 1 million children. If your home was built before 1978, log on to leadfreekids.org or call 800-424-LEAD. Brought to you by the Coalition to End Childhood Lead Poisoning, EPA, HUD, and the Ad Council. Are there some global issues you wish you could know more about or get an inside perspective on? Notes from the Kennedy Center presents lectures and seminars from international diplomats and scholars discussing issues and events from all over the world. For the first time, the number of AIDS deaths in the world declined. Become a more informed global citizen and tune in to Notes from the Kennedy Center, Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Good afternoon, I'm Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. The birthers may finally have to accept that the president was in fact born in Hawaii after the Supreme Court decided not to hear their case. Three men with the American Independent Party claimed that President Obama was born in Kenya like his father and is therefore ineligible to be president. Officials in Hawaii have repeatedly verified the president's citizenship But Alan Keyes, Wiley Drake, and Markham Robinson claim the president's Hawaii birth certificate is a forgery. They asked the Supreme Court to hear their case. Now they've gotten their answer, no. Without comment, the court has refused to hear their challenge to the president's citizenship. Rita Foley, Washington. One key senator is pushing for an overhaul of the tax code, which he says will give the economy a much-needed boost. Senate Finance Committee Chairman Max Baucus says everybody agrees the tax code needs to be updated. We need to get rid of the dead wood and simplify the code. In his speech at the Bipartisan Policy Center, Baucus cited four areas where progress has to be made in order to make the economy stronger. Jobs from broad-based growth, competitiveness, innovation, 
an opportunity. But he says any changes have to wait until lawmakers deal with the looming fiscal cliff. Jerry Bodlander, Washington. A U.S. team was called home after negotiations, negotiations with Pakistan about reopening key supply routes fell through, at least for now. The Pentagon team spent about six weeks in Pakistan before being recalled for what spokesman George Little hopes is not long. We're ready to send them back uh, at any moment. The team was pulled after Pakistan's army chief refused to meet with a senior Pentagon official over the weekend. The number two American general in Afghanistan says commanders are working hard to get the military relationship with Pakistan to where it was in November. We're a fair ways from that right now. Still, Lieutenant General Curtis Scaparati says the closed border has not hurt his operations. Sagar Megani at the Pentagon. The new director of the National Hurricane Center says he understands why people are afraid of the monster storms. Rick Nabb started his job just as hurricane season began and says being director of the National Hurricane Center is a dream job. As a boy in South Florida, he remembers being frightened by storms. I went through Hurricane Alicia in 1983, one of the scariest nights of my life. Nabb, who is both a Weather Channel expert and a hurricane forecaster, says public complacency is a top concern. There is an insidious evil to that. Pointing out it's been seven years since a major storm made landfall in the U.S. We have to be of the mindset that one of these days my number is going to come up. Tony Winton, Miami. You're listening to BYU Radio on Sirius XM 143. I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Oh, we're just trying to get as much vocal point as, in as we can. We're joined by McKay Crockett, the man, the myth, the leader, not the leader necessarily, the one of the performers, songwriter, producer from BYU's Vocal Point. McKay, good to have you back again. Thank you, sir. And uh, before the break, we were talking about just the Hollywood impact. And what I'd love to find out is, okay, what did you learn just doesn't matter about Hollywood and about kind of the whole – I mean it just seems like so much of it's just fake. Totally. But what did you learn about life and yourself and what and about your own priorities and your purpose? Well, it, it, it's just so interesting because you go on and and you have your, your moment in the spotlight. And in that moment, you feel and, – and many other people will give you feedback – you are the greatest thing in the entire world. <laughs> yeah. Like nothing else could have been better than what you just did. Yeah. And then you realize you wake up the next morning and about 90% of, of the people have forgotten about it. Yeah. And then you wake up a week from then and about 99% of those people have forgotten about it. Next. And so, and so you had this great moment, but you're, yeah. it's gone and, and, and you move on. And so what, what I thought was so interesting, what I really learned was that a lot of that stuff that, that seems so important in the moment mm-hmm. really just isn't. It's no. really great and it teaches you a lot, but it's not who you are. No. And it doesn't make up the person that you are. It uh, it teaches you and, and it helps you along the path of, of who you can become, but it's just not that defining this yeah. is who I am kind of thing like a lot of people want to think Hollywood is. That's exactly and, – and, and I guess – so if the, the kids are the ones that need to really right. be hearing this because – Fame and fortune, those are the two things they're looking for, I guess. And my kids are also looking for cookies. 
Um, I don't know how they all correlate, <laughs> but it's this fame idea that um, somehow we'll be more whole and complete once we reach it. Right. And it's really – it doesn't work that way. I, I found a lot of people down there, they they love the uh, the pat on the back. They mm-hmm. love to be told that they're great. Yeah. And who doesn't, right? right who who sure. doesn't want to be told that they're great? But I think that the important thing with the whole fame and fortune thing is – you can't learn to thrive on that or you, or you can't learn to expect that because when it comes down to it, it, it just doesn't always come. And if that's what you need to have in your life, uh, you're going to get a big disappointment that's because right. life is hard and everyone's not going to always tell you that you're the best thing in the world. But that's OK because yeah. you still are an amazing thing yeah. and an amazing person. You just don't have to be told by the, the judges and, and the media that, wow, you're the next best thing besides, you know, J- Justin Bieber or something. That's, that's right. Well, and it seems like they kind of – because they, they did move on. Yeah. I mean they've moved on. Now you guys nailed it, but they're probably starting their next year. Right. They're, and, and it's kind of like thanks. Yeah. And thanks for making our show the best. Right. Well, and and, uh, and what I love is that it did so much good for Vocal Point. It, 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 it introduced us to a whole new demographic and a lot of new people who probably wouldn't have known about Vocal Point before. And so that was a blessing for yeah. us. But truthfully, it you know people still I want to they're not saying I want to listen to Vocal Point every single day and right. oh I'm going to go rewatch that one performance from that one right, night of the exactly. sing-off. It's just something that happened and and so to be able to acknowledge that and and know that some good that some good happened and then now we get to move on. That's yeah. that's what I think is really the key is is just not letting that all go to your head because while you need to enjoy it and and have a great time and, and learn from it, it can't be what defines you because no. if it does. You're you're in for for big trouble. Well, you see, I guess some of the other shows um, like American Idol, where it's you were in this ensemble, so right. you kind of had each other to keep each other honest, right? And and you probably had enough history with each other to say, dude, pull <laughs> your head off, off. Yeah. knock it off. You're not that great, seriously, right. McKay. Um, and it's in fact, it was also interesting on the show that you. Um, there, one of, somebody's father passed away. Yeah, whose was that? Ben Ben Murphy and. Tell, so tell me just about – so in the middle of this Hollywood push, real life hits the group, right? And the whole group now has to deal with the passing right. of, of somebody's father. What was that like? It was – And how did it fit in the context of Hollywood? Right. You know, it was it was a very singular experience and very unique. We, we went out there. The show was obviously – it was pre-taped. We filmed it in the summer and then it aired in the fall. Um, but we went out there and, and it was the first week we were there. Uh, ben had received word. His his father had had uh, cancer for a long time, mm. and so he knew that this was kind of yeah. um, happening and whatnot. But I guess he took a turn for the worst, and he found out when he was there that uh, he probably wouldn't be around much longer. And oh. so we were preparing for our first episode. So we hadn't we hadn't been on the show yet, and uh, he got this phone call, and it was it was so cool because I think that was the perfect time for us to realize okay. This is just a, a television show. Yeah. There are so many other things that are so much more important than this. And we were able to rally behind Ben and, and allow him to go be with his family. And, yeah. and he spent uh, a week and a half or so back in Australia and, and his father passed away. And uh, and then for us to be able to to share that experience with the country. And, and we were so grateful to the sing-off for how respectful they yeah, were. Yeah, they were very respectful, how they edited it. And... They did. And they handled it so delicately and they could have been – so not that uh-huh. way, and yeah. so we were grateful for that. But, but to be able to share our uh, our moral and our value and our belief that that we can see loved ones after this life, and it's yeah. not the end, and and those positive and uplifting things, 
you know, we don't know why that had to happen when we were filming a TV yeah. show, but but there probably is a reason for that. And and so he was grateful to kind of put things in perspective from the get-go that this is an awesome TV show mm-hmm. and an awesome opportunity, but it's this isn't the most important yeah. thing in life. It's kind of like the, it, that's the theme we keep hearing is all of these experiences are just the means, right, right. to the end. They're, they're not the end. I mean, if your end was winning sing-off, yeah. hey, okay, yeah. then what? You won, yeah. No, okay. Now what do you do? Yeah, what do you do? I mean, I guess you become a bar act in some... <laughs> Some weird hotel somewhere. Totally. I mean, at some point, you're you're raising your family. So tell me what you learned, McKay. What did what did McKay Crockett learn about McKay Crockett, his family, his values, himself? You know, first of all, I think I learned that I have an amazing family, mm-hmm. and I think. Now, are you married? Do you have? I'm not. Okay, I'm not married. So these are your parents, brothers, sisters. Yeah, I had a lot of family come down and support. Even Neat. some friends came. Yeah, down. Yeah, there was a ton of people in the crowd. Yeah, and and it. That in and of itself was an amazing lesson that it is so important to surround yourself with, with people who love you and that you love yeah. because that's when, when it's all said and done and when you get kicked off the show and when you lose your job or whatever, those are the people that are still going to be there. Right. And, um, and so to have that, that support system was, was unbelievable. Um, I think I also learned that, that you, can, you can really put your mind to something and achieve great things that even if – you may think they're impossible and you may think that – that you can never achieve them, but when you really put your mind to something and you focus on it, uh, you can you can achieve things that you never thought you could before. We, uh, you know, Vocal Points always had this mission to go uplift and inspire people, um, but we we went on the show and we we were the the little guys from Provo, Utah, and, yeah. and who who who's heard of Provo, Utah, in Los Angeles, California? That's right. Nobody. But we, well, the Osmonds. That's true. That's true. So maybe <laughs> a couple people. <laughs> yeah. But we went out there hoping that in in the midst of of so much negativity and so much just just immorality that mm-hmm. we could be just a small little light of of hope and of happiness. Yeah. And. And we felt like we did that, and in our own little way. Our, right. We always like to say that we feel like we're awkwardly endearing, and so we, we <laughs> awkwardly we, endearing. We tried to, to just present that, and, and we put our mind to it, and that was our goal. It wasn't necessarily winning. It wasn't to be, you know, the superstars of the world. It was to go and and promote this message, and and because we we focused on that and, and did all that we could to achieve that, I, I feel like we were able to yeah, do that. I think you did. And what what did the did you get much time with the judges? Did you get to talk to them <laughs> off camera much? You know, during the taping of the show, we didn't. They didn't really let us talk to the judges, any of the performers. But once the show had finished taping and they picked a winner, we actually had a couple of times where we had some after parties where we were all there together. Yeah, and what's that? Believe like? me, Vocal Point at an after party in Los Angeles is a very funny. Sound. I bet that's I'll just really throw that out <laughs> yeah. there. But uh, but it was really cool to see. Uh, to, to talk to these judges one-on-one, I went up to Ben Folds. Now ben Folds, uh, what's his song that's so f- – um... Man, he's had quite a few. Stuck in the Suburbs, uh-huh. Luckiest, some of my favorites of his. But he's, he's really – he's the one that actually it seemed like gave you some of the best He is a musical genius. Feedback, yeah. yeah he, he knows what he's talking about. And, and to go up and chat with him and, and just kind of learn and, and pick uh-huh. his brain a little bit. But, but the most rewarding thing I think when we went up to talk to the judges individually, at least for me – was uh, how complimentary they were of, of our values. Really? What were they, they saying? They would say stuff like, you know, you guys are very upstanding young men. And and it was always funny to us that they would call us young men young because men. we were older than everybody on the show. I know. But, uh, well, and you're just a few years younger than them, some of it's you. It's true, yeah, absolutely. We had, who was the oldest guy in our group? I think... I think our oldest guy was 26, and, and I don't know how old some of those judges are, but, but well, not Sarah a lot older. Sarah can't be too oh, old. Oh, totally. And so we, we always felt that that was, that was really cool that they would compliment us. And, and like I said, we didn't have a lot of interaction with them, but, right. but something showed them that we had a, a different purpose and a different drive in, yeah. in what we were doing. One, one experience in particular was really cool. The night we actually got kicked off, we were meeting 
we were walking to our van and Sean Stockman, who's the, the judge from Boyz II Men, he pulls around in his super sweet car. <laughs> yeah. and it was really, you know, awesome. He, he pulls around, actually stops, parks it on the side and gets out and gives gets us all out. hugs. Did he really? Yeah. And, and we were chatting with him and, and he was just telling us how much he enjoyed, you know, our performances and whatnot. And then comes out Nick Lachey, who's the host yeah. from 98 Degrees. And, and Nick invites Sean to a party. He says, hey, man, we're, we're having this party over my place. Are you going to come over and... And Sean says something to the effect of, you know what, I'm going out of town tomorrow and I'm not going to see my kids for a while and I want to go tuck them in tonight because oh, uh, cool. I'm not going to be able to see them. Yeah. And to see, uh, to see that in, in the midst of Hollywood, Hollywood was really cool for us because I think that, that we kind of were able to share that and relate that yeah. with him. And, and that's part of the reason why I think he was, he was a fan of our group. And, yeah. and so that was cool to kind of see that, that kind of bond and how, how it can exist, that, it does that strength exist. exists in Hollywood. Well, and again, back, I guess, too, to family, mm-hmm. that family really, I guess, is something that transcends it all yeah. if you're willing to put it there and, and it, let it be and, first. And it needs – I think that has to be a conscious choice that you make because if it's not, it is so easy to get caught up oh, in it, I bet it because is. it's so it's so flashy and fun and, yeah. and whatever. But unless you make a conscious effort to put that priority first – uh, you can kind of fall like everybody seems to do over in that area. Well, yeah, it just—I guess that's it—is you got to be driving. Mm-hmm. If you're not driving the deal, then it, then Hollywood will just drive you right off. It does. The ledge. And 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 it's not to say that that everyone out there is this awful person. No, that's no. definitely not it. But I think that the monster or or the machine mm-hmm. that is Hollywood yeah. can definitely bring that out. Uh-huh. And so there are a lot of great people out there which we met and love and appreciate. And uh, and respect their values and and help and they and they were ones who helped us you know keep our values strong while we were there too, and uh, and and like I said, it's those people who helped us see that you make those conscious choices yeah. to stay strong in, in that kind of environment because it's, it's difficult if you don't. Huge. Tell us about uh, got a couple minutes left. Remix Vocal Academy. What are you doing? Yeah. There? So Remix Vocal Academy is this awesome camp that we're putting on this summer. It's actually next month, July 9th through the fourteenth. And what we're doing is we're taking a lot of these. Really awesome lessons that we learned in in L.A. and and throughout the years in our music careers. And and we're teaching kids ages 15 to 25 about how to be a successful musician and and take their voice to that big time level while while being positive and and, uh, and keeping their their values and morals, you know, good and and upright. You don't have to give that all up to be successful. And. And I think it's so important that kids realize that. And so with Remix, we, we wanted to create this place where everybody could come together and, and learn how to be a, a great musician and a great performer while still keeping those values and morals. That's, you know what, that's huge. Because I, I, I think there's a lot of people out there thinking, oh, I'd really like my kids to get into this, but I don't want to be a stage show mother or right. father. And I don't want it to turn out like some of those other shows that you see totally. on television where you're trying to think, you see the moms fighting They get crazy. Oh, they do. Man. And so you know we we know that it's possible to do to be successful and and still keep that that nice humble uh you know definitely persevering and, and confident but but humble moral yeah. values that, that you can keep. Wow, McKay Crockett, appreciate it my friend. Thank you, man. Great interview here. If they want they can find they can look you up at Remix with an X I'm assuming. Yes, remixvocalacademy.com. Perfect. Check out McKay Crockett and really go to YouTube. You haven't lived till you've seen these guys <laughs> perform if you haven't heard them. That's uh that's McKay Crockett. We'll be back after the break here on the Matt Townsend show with more ideas, tools to help you and your family grow healthy, happy lives. You're listening to the Matt Townsend show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio.
connect with Matt on BYU Radio's Facebook page and Twitter at BYU Radio. The FAA has a new high-tech tool to help avoid future flight delays. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Air traffic managers now have a high-tech crystal ball of sorts to help get a clearer picture of the impact their decisions might have on what amounts to roughly 60,000 flights in the air over the U.S. on any given day. The Future Air Traffic Management Concepts Evaluation Tool, or FACET, is a flexible software that can quickly generate and analyze thousands of possible aircraft trajectories. The software integrates live air traffic data from the Federal Aviation Administration's radar systems, along with weather data from the National Weather Service, to summarize and visualize air traffic across the national airspace. Through a partnership with NASA, the FAA enhanced the software and has been using it to evaluate how delays and reroutes could affect flights across the country. In addition to reducing delays, helping create more efficient flight trajectories also means less fuel burned per flight and less noise pollution. The tool, which can be run on a single desktop computer, is already proving to be useful toward the FAA's mission of providing the safest, most efficient aerospace system in the world. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. What song changed my life? There are a lot of songs that have changed my life. It's a totally brutal question to try and answer. Every musician has that one song that changed their life. Join Tony Award winner Leia Salonga, American Idol finalist Brooke White, and more of your favorite artists as they explore their lives before and after they heard that one song that changed everything. Watch The Song That Changed My Life, Monday nights at 7.30 on BYU-TV. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Wrapping up this uh, show today about fame and the crazy price we sometimes pay. Lessons learned. We just had on guest McKay Crockett, uh, singer of BYU's uh, Focal Point, which uh, was the group that went to the fifth round in NBC's show, The Sing-Off. And McKay, I think, just brings great insight that uh, I guess, I mean, you get to choose and you got to know what you want to be and who you want to be. Um, there's a great quote I love by Carl Jung that says that uh, um, I just forgot it right as I was starting it right there. Basically, uh, that which is most personal is most universal. And the things that we care about most personally tend to be the things that most of us care about. And so this fear of not wanting to lose ourselves is probably a pretty common thing as people think about going to Hollywood or being famous. And yet, I guess in the end, it, the, probably the easiest way to not lose yourself in anything, whether it's your job or have you know going to the big city and starting your new career or whatever it is, is you got to know what the things are that matter most to you. What is it in your heart? And if you notice in McKay's interview over and over and over, McKay kept bringing up the simple idea he wanted to share his values, he wanted to live his values, he wanted to give his values. Do you know what your values are? When you think of this person you want to meet that's so important, the one that is such an important part of your life that if you could meet anyone on earth, this is who you'd want to meet, have you figured out why it, why them? And 
Do they share the same values? Do you have the same beliefs and principles and, and ideas? Because maybe maybe when you finally met them, they might let you down because uh, they might be so different from you. You might realize they're not even nice. <laughs> they're not even they're not even friendly. Anyway, it's an interesting idea. This simple concept of fifteen seconds of fame. We've all got it. The internet's changing it, and uh, we're going to now go to another uh, feature at um, about the internet and how it's you know it's somehow now taking nobodies and putting them and making them into somebody. Thanks to the internet, anyone can be famous, and I mean anyone. All right, oh, thumbs up. Ready, guys? Let's or... do this. Leroy the reasons for popularity don't even need to make sense either. Here's some of my favorites. There's the internet's favorite Russian from the 70s, Edward Keel, who recently passed away. This Soviet-era crooner is also known as the Trollolo guy. Silly, right? Ten bucks says you'll be humming it later today. Or there's the ridiculously photogenic guy. He's what's called a picture meme. His name is Zeddy Little. He was at a marathon and someone took his picture. That's all that really happened. And I gotta say, he is a pretty man. He exploded on the internet. One of my favorite examples of how he was used was a Photoshop of the Mona Lisa. His head was put in place of hers and there's a caption at the bottom reading, Perfection Perfected. He's done a boatload of interviews and even appeared on Good Morning America. Other than that, there's not much to him. He's rather normal. There's also the genre of singing along to a song in front of your webcam, made famous by the Numa Numa Guy. All of these examples, and most of the others that go viral, are always a little shocked. So what's the deal with fame? There's research that isn't quite done yet that asks the question, why do we want to be famous? On a biological level, a lot of our decisions make perfect sense. I'm hungry, so I eat. I'm sleepy, so I sleep. The action pays off in several ways beyond just wanting to not be hungry. The food gives me energy, allows me to grow, or I just enjoy the taste. Being famous can fulfill that need to be famous, but beyond that, it brings mountains of stress, a lifestyle that can be rough on the liver, among other vital organs, an elimination of privacy, so it's no wonder some of these people have a breakdown. On a basic level, compared to other things that humans normally want, fame is a bit of a square peg in a round hole. It seems as if now we have 15 seconds of fame. But sometimes I gotta ask myself, is this real life? Yeah, this is real life. Is this real life? I think that comes from the the poor boy who just had his teeth pulled and is all drugged up um, from YouTube, who is now a YouTube sensation and has had now apparently his 15 minutes or 15 seconds of fame. So fame, are you after it? Is that your goal? Is that what you're chasing down? How do you get it? Is it even worth it? Honestly, I don't think that should be the goal, and uh, it's. I think it's hard, but uh, maybe more importantly, it might be better that you figure out who you are, that you figure out what really does matter to you. It's interesting, too, as I just see how my family uh, were – my youngest kids are so enthralled in the idea that they're going to meet somebody or when they see somebody famous or somebody that they deem are famous. If I had my kids here today talking to McKay, they would – think I'm the coolest guy in the world because McKay's been on television and that means McKay is solid, right? 
Well, McKay's only solid because McKay focuses on his values. And um, Oprah Winfrey, let me give you three quotes from three pretty famous people about the concept of fame, okay? Probably very few, if any, are as famous as Oprah Winfrey. And she says this, if you come to fame not understanding who you are, it will define who you are. If your identity is the mere fact that you're on um, vocal point or you made it to the fifth round, the final five of NBC's sing-off, you're probably going to, to lose yourself. If you think that who you are is simply this idea that you can put a little basket ball into a basket or that you can throw a football 30, 40, 50 yards, you know what? Maybe you're onto something. However, it's just not who you are. And again, we've kind of drilled this home over the show, but we really believe we're all much more than that. Um, we believe that there is a divine spark, as Emerson said, inside of each of us. And uh, we got to know that, as McKay just kept bringing up over and over. Now, the second quote, Irma Bombeck, my uh, great um, writer, author, she says this, Don't confuse fame with success. Madonna is one, and Helen Keller is the other. Um, just because you're famous doesn't make you successful. Helen Keller, well-known, famous, and highly, highly successful, I guess, as a human, is what uh, Irma Bombeck's trying to teach. Um, in the end, just because you're well-known doesn't mean you're successful. And success is probably deeper. It's probably rooted in things that are much deeper that don't go away. Success might be maybe if we're going to go for fame, maybe the fame we need to go for is to be the famous father, you're the, the father that your kids so revere and they love, or to be the best mother you can be because your skills are so great at just being attentive and being there for your children, or to be famous in your honesty, your decency, your hard work. Wouldn't it be great if you were the one at work that was known as the happy one, the healthy one, the forgiving one? To me, that's what makes us famous. Maybe not famous like Hollywood famous, and um, but famous where people will care and people will show up because – and the world will mourn when you're gone. Uh, last quote by John Wooden. Here it is. You ready for this one? Talent is God-given. Be humble. Fame is man-given. Be grateful. Conceit is self-given. Be careful. Your talents are God-given. Uh, that's one thing we believe strongly here at BYU Radio. So be humble about it. As you saw, um, as you saw, our guest had. Um, he really was humble about it. Fame, though, is man-given. Be grateful. It it can come. It can go. It's just not who you are. Who you are is what the your God above gave you. It's who you are is the fact that. You're a powerful, powerful light, as as we were taught earlier today. So appreciate you listening. As always, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any ideas or information, if you want to get more information about us, all you got to do is go to BYU Radio on, on Facebook. You'll see us there. Also go to talk or Matt Chat at byu.edu. Matt Chat at byu.edu. We'd love to hear your ideas about upcoming shows or topics. And again, take care of each other, love each other, and go live your values and your principles. You're listening to The Matt Townsend Show right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM HD2 Provo. The following is a production of BYU Broadcasting in cooperation with the Brigham Young University Division of Continuing Education. Everybody should be interested in a proposition which offers to the man or woman with limited means 
Ein 